Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Every day we give you a new amount, so you take note of it, enter, and at three o'clock on Friday, if we call you and you give us this number, you win the cash machine prize. The amount you need to know this Tuesday, it's an easy one, €70,000 exactly. Uh, text the word play, send that to 57557 if you want to enter. It'll cost 250 plus your standard message. You need to be over 18. The details are on newstalk.com. You are playing across the go-loud network of stations. Get your entry in by three o'clock on Friday when we could be calling and just answer in five rings tell us that prize amount and the cash is very simply yours. Now just before the break we were talking about um, surrogacy and we heard from uh, Marie McFallamy who got in touch to share her experience. Garoth is with us on the line because Garoth you've also gone through the surrogacy process. What was it like for you? That's correct yeah. Um, So I live in North County Dublin with my husband Seamus and about 10 years ago um, we also came across uh, a couple who um, had been through surrogacy and having children was something Seamus and I always wanted. Um, so having talked to that couple and done a little bit of research, um, because we didn't know anybody here in Ireland who could carry a child for us, um, we had to look at the idea of going abroad to have our children. Um, and at the time, having done our research, we came to the conclusion that having the children through the Canadian system would be the best option um, because in Canada, surrogacy, unlike in Ireland, is fully regulated, it's fully supported by legislation and the rights and responsibilities of everybody involved are clearly defined. However, for us, we just weren't lucky in Canada. Um, okay. We transfer, we created our embryos at a clinic, um, an IVF clinic. We were working with an incredible surrogate from Alberta, a province kind of on the west side of Canada. Mm. Um, she herself was in a situation where she had two children um, with her husband and unfortunately for her um, and for the children of course their dad died very young in a car accident but it was the fact that that she had her children um, got her and kept her going every day and got her back you know on, on track and she wanted to give that gift to somebody else because in the Canadian system it's an altruistic model so that there's no significant compensation paid to the surrogate mother for carrying a child except she's allowed to get a reimbursement of her everyday expenses. So we, we as I said, we, we started the process very full, of, very much full of optimism, um, convinced that um, we would uh, end up having our children uh, born in Canada at some point in the future. Mm. But um, having created our embryos and transferred four different embryos on separate occasions, uh, unfortunately for us, it didn't work. Um, so, I mean, we, we, one of the things that, that made this situation even more difficult for us was the fact that we were trying to navigate this really stressful, um, difficult journey um, yeah. in a foreign jurisdiction. So we had to travel to Canada. We were present for some of the embryo transfers. Um, and then we were trying to understand their legal systems, their medical systems. So, you know, it was something that was hugely important mm. for Seamus and I. Um, it's, we subsequently had our kids, but to have to do it in a foreign jurisdiction just makes it incredibly, okay. incredibly kind of and, difficult. And where you're at now, Garoth, with your children, when were they born? Yeah, so it, it was a very difficult start, but it, it ended up being a happy story. Um, our, we have we have three children now. Um, we have our twins, Sean and Mary, who are four and a half, heading to big school in September. Yeah. And our baby daughter, Anne, who will be two in June. Um, 
So they were born in the UK through the support of a surrogate in the UK who's a friend of ours. Um, so again, we having having kind of come to the conclusion at the end of the Canadian process that we, we'd run out of money. As I always tell people, we begged, we borrowed and we sold things to get the money together mm. once again to try for another IVF journey. Um, and we did that. Again, we couldn't do it here in Ireland. Um, so we had to go abroad to another clinic. Uh, we did that. And our kids, our surrogate, carried the pregnancy for the two pregnancies for us and uh, the children were born in the UK. So we're now in a situation where we're at home here. We're incredibly blessed to have such brilliant um, a brilliant family. Um, we couldn't be happier um, as a family unit. But we're in the situation now where, as Mary explained, yeah, the legal limbo. We're in the legal limbo. So it's, it's kind of very pointed for us right now because on the one hand, we have uh, the, the biological dad has legal responsibility and legal parental rights for the twins. And then I have guardianship of, yeah. of the twins. But then our little daughter's upstairs asleep on her nap right now and I'm looking after her full time here in the house, but I literally have no legal responsibility for her. If so you're happen to her, in that I same position as Marie basically was in, Garrod. You're in nearly that exact position as the Exactly. The guardian. And I mean, the thing yeah. she spoke about in terms of opening bank accounts, in terms of bringing kids to vaccination appointments, mm. passport applications, hospital treatments when the babies are newborns, yeah. all of this The stuff, trips and um, falls that up. go with life, you know, the x-ray that will one day be required, uh, you know, all of this kind of stuff, the kind of very run-of-the-mill things that we totally take for granted. Well, exactly. Like, I'll give you a, a kind of a small example and um, a couple, you know, when, when our little boy Sean was two, like a lot of two-year-olds, um, he, he was a bit too energetic at times and he ran into a little, he ran into a wall one day and he cut his head um, I wasn't uh, in a position where I was his legal guardian um, at that point. I hadn't had the uh, right to make the application. So myself and Seamus were standing there. Now, we, we clearly we looked after Sean, first of all. Um, but the next decision uh, we had to make, and standing there, you know, with a child um, who's got blood coming out of their head, you, you don't want to have this conversation. But I was saying to Seamus, well, Seamus, you have to bring him to the doctor because I can't consent for the stitches. And she said, yeah, but you saw that what happened. And if I go to the doctor and I don't know exactly what happened to my son and I can't fully explain it and we then have to bring up the whole thing about our surrogacy journey, that makes an extra complication. So, you know, the priority was to get Sean's um, stitched trauma up. Over, yeah. stitched up. And uh, we were there having conversations with like, who has legal responsibility? Who knows what mm. happened? And, you know, that's just, it's a nonsense situation. We're also yeah, in the situation now where even though we have guardianship of the kids, the, the twins are heading off to school in September. We had to uh, send off their, their birth cert as part of the application to the school. And because their birth cert doesn't list me on it, um, uh, we had to write a letter to the school explaining exactly, you know, that this was a surrogacy journey, blah, 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 blah. So again, Mary talked about the fact that you always have to overshare and mm. explain things. It's a constant state of explanation, really. Isn't it? It's yeah, everything exactly. is to be. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, Garud, stay with us because I just want to hear. Sinead has got in touch as well. Um, Sinead is joining us here too, Garud. What, what's your experience, your surrogacy journey, Sinead? Um, hi. Um, thanks for Million for having me on the show. Um, mm. yeah. So mine has been um down to kind of um I have endometriosis um and uh kind of like a smaller autoimmune um disorder um. So I kind of went through about uh, 14 cycles um, both in Ireland, in a couple of clinics in Ireland, and then I went to Prague, um, and we were just unsuccessful. We kind of had a few miscarriages along the way, and 
um, kind of our only option basically at that stage after a few years of trying was um, to go down the surrogacy route. So we obviously, you know, looked into all different countries and spoke to a solicitor, an independent solicitor here, and um, we got in contact with a clinic in the Ukraine. And that's where we went because like um, Garoud was saying, it's, it's you know, it's, it has the legal stability in that country. It's, you're protected, the surrogate is protected, um, you know, um, kind of the safeguards, are, I suppose, are mm. in place in, in the country. Um, I suppose not so much when you come home because it's a different story without the legislation, but certainly for us, um, we were happy where, where we went in in the Ukraine. Um, yeah. that was, Theo was born two years ago. He was two there, um, just Wednesday gone, and you know, the war wouldn't have broken out at that stage. Um, so everything kind of was operating really yeah. well at that stage over there. Um, like the process was, was really, really good for us and for the surrogate. Um, and like we had no issues in terms of um, contact or anything like that. Like we would have um, kind of got scans and stuff like that through from, for Theo and there was constant contact there, you know. Um, um, and our, our, our surrogate, Yana, would have been well looked after as well. Um, it, like medically, everything, you know, like she would have had like her own independent like solicitor mm. and the whole lot. So um, that's kind of like, that's Why the early stage, yeah, I suppose, stages. of the process. And, yeah. and where are you now, Sinead, even, you know, just when we listen to Garoud? And, and I and I don't want to use that that sort of yeah. description of Garoud being the guardian, but I suppose in, in the eyes of the law, where yeah. do you sit in that legislative well, um, position? So I've actually since, to be honest, went on and had twins myself. Um, they actually got the endometriosis addressed and I actually okay. had twins 10 months ago. So I'd be um, in a situation now where I have got my twins, which I can sign for everything. I'm legally their mother. And with Theo, my firstborn, I, I have no legal rights at the minute. Um, because he's just reached the, the age of two, um, I haven't been able to apply up until now for guardianship of Theo. So, um, yeah, so basically my three kids are treated unequally um, in my eyes um, just this week gone, I've had issues with Theo's passport. I applied for the three kids' passports back in January, and um, Mark had to apply as a sole applicant for Theo's because I have no guardianship of Theo. So his went in, um, it, they all went in together, but I signed, we both signed for the twins, and Mark signed for Theo's, and we had to send in the additional documentation. But it took a senator. Um, a minister and um, a TD to get involved to get uh, Theo's passport and I only actually got that on Thursday. Thursday. Um, and it's the passport that that seems to be you know a kind of a, it seems to be I suppose one of the, the first or the big um, hurdles that many many families yeah, like in, there's in your many, position to be honest with you. I mean like to be honest straight away like it's you know when you bring them for the vaccines and stuff like that I had to sit out a, a GP surgery outside like really upset mm. when Mark brought Theo in because I wasn't allowed to go in. Do you know? I know. I know. COVID restrictions were in place as well. Yeah. But like, um, I was the person at home all day with Theo, um, and I wasn't able to go in. Like Mark had to sign ahead for me to bring Theo to further um vaccination appointments, um, and then like there's a conflict as well because, like. We we all get children's allowance for like I get children's allowance for my three children, but say like for like at times like 
I feel like it's okay. They see it as okay when they're giving us the children's allowance. And then when, you know, when I had to bring them to the public health nurse, it was, it, they wanted me to bring Theo to the public health nurse, not Mark, mm. for it's, his it's, developmental checkup. So it's like there's a conflict there at yeah. times. It's, with it, 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 but legally, is where the issue is, you know. It, it, it really seems, Garoud, as though it's just like the legislation is just, has nowhere near caught up what's actually happening. You know, it, it hasn't caught up with, with where we're at on this issue and, and hasn't caught up with society. Exactly. I mean, the reality is, um, as Mary said at the very beginning, she was told 10 years ago, it's not illegal to engage in surrogacy. The problem is, it's just there's no legislation um, to actually set out what are the requirements. And as a result, institutions like the passport office, like the banks, uh, like schools, have to try and make up their own policies or rules. And often, you know, when families come forward, they're the first family to um, to to address that mm. institution um, with a child born through surrogacy, and therefore the institution tries to make it up as they go along. So um, often, you know, when you contact the passport office, your success or failure in getting the passport will be down to the person that actually picks up the phone. Um, and whether they've case, dealt with circumstances, whether they've dealt with this yeah. before, and then just their personal attitude. Okay. You know, are they con- you know um, are they are they willing to kind of take a risk and help you out, or you know? But yeah. that's the that's the reality. And and you're trying to rear a family in this situation where it's down to the goodwill of a random stranger on the phone, whether or not you can go on your family holiday this summer. Yeah, I, S- Stephen is with us as well. Stephen, I know the government has approved a policy that will basically seek to recognise families created through international surrogacy. Are you confident that things will change, Stephen? Hi, Andrea. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you for inviting us all on to talk today mm. about our experience with surrogacy and the potential restrictions in the legislation. Um, largely, the the legislation is kind of modelled on, as Garrow was talking about, the uh, Canadian model, um, which is an altruistic model. Um, that's what the, the legislation that's been uh, drawn up at the minute is kind of mirroring. Uh, and at first glance, it does look like it will protect a lot of people. But when you actually look into it, there's pretty big restrictions and there's pretty big gaps that are going to leave a lot of um, Irish families that are going to be pursuing surrogacy in later years. In what way, Stephen? So um, particularly for uh, same-sex male couples um, who will be exploring surrogacy, um, commercial surrogacy will absolutely not be allowed under this legislation. So as a same-sex male couple, we have... Uh, very limited places where we can actually explore surrogacy. Two of the main places are Canada and the US. Uh, Canada, as I said, is an altruistic model, uh, and the US is uh, the surrogate is um, they're uh, compensated for the uh, for the process, and that won't be allowed under the um, the new legislation. So what we're kind of looking to do is uh, that's going to be very, very restrictive for a lot of people. So we're looking for um, like Minister Stephen Donnelly to get in touch with the, or to listen to the likes of Irish gay dads, Irish families through surrogacy. Um, a lot of the a lot of the legislation is going to protect retrospective families, but it won't protect any families who are going to going to pursue surrogacy later on. Okay, so it's the it's the it's the it's the, I suppose the families that are yet to go through it that won't yeah. be covered. It's going to be particularly restrictive for those. Okay. It's going to further limit uh, the options that they have available to uh, to them when they're looking at what options they have. 
Lots of you getting in touch with us today about this. We'll just stay on the line. I do just need to take a very short break, but we are going to continue talking about the changes that are required for families going through surrogacy. We've been talking um, about surrogacy here in the programme since, uh, well, since the start of the show or the, the first, this section certainly anyway today. And a lot of people getting in touch with really heartbreaking, heartfelt stories, their experience. Uh, 1800 453 is the number if you want to join us. But the CEO of Equality for Children, uh, Renee von Metting, is with me here in, in studio today. And, and thanks, Renee, for, for joining us. Stephen and Garo, they're still with us, and Sinead as well on the line. Uh, we've been hearing their experiences just before the break. I suppose, Renee, the, the one thing um, that we maybe haven't touched on yet is that like, the government has approved a policy that is planning to kind of recognise families who are created through international surrogacy. But like we heard from Stephen there, he still thinks it's still just too restrictive. Yeah, so in terms of it being too restrictive, absolutely. I think anyone who's impacted by this issue agrees that uh, the restrictions are vast. Uh, but even before we get to that, in terms of how long it's taking, it's 2023. The government started talking about surrogacy in 2000. So we are 23 years later and we still have nothing. I think Garode said, we have nothing. There is just, uh, you know, there's nothing in terms of legislation. And to date, people have just been been kind of trying to find their way as best they can. So 23 years we've been waiting. We had the Joint Interactors Committee last year. Mm. Um, and then we had the policy paper. But we are being given these assurances and then nothing is actually happening. There is no movement. So if you ask me today, when are we going to see the actual amendments to the bill? I have no idea. And this is the the health, the assisted human reproduction bill that we're talking about. Yeah, so that was published and the 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 um the bill that was published didn't include international surrogacy at all. It only talked about domestic altruistic surrogacy, which in reality um is completely preposterous. That's never going to happen. People will always travel for sur- for surrogacy. It's just a simple fact of life. Well, it's People funny, will Ma- travel. Marie that was with us a little earlier was uh, that, you know, that wasn't, I suppose, her experience. Mm. But but Stephen, you're still with us on the line because it's, you know, it's your experience is through international surrogacy. Yeah, we went uh, through Canada. Our daughter is uh, five and a half months old. So um, if I sound tired, that's why, because we're still operating on the the no sleep kind of side of things. Mm. But uh, we started in 2020 um, and it was kind of in the height of the pandemic. Um, but yeah, we, we chose Canada for, because um, it totally matched our models. And as Garrod was saying, it's all very legislated. Everyone is is protected. And um, yeah, it just kind of, it, it, we felt it was the right option for us. Yeah. Like, there's really no laws then so in Ireland no, they, at the moment to govern... Stephen and Garrod and Sinead have been with us. There, there's no laws at the moment. And I suppose for the majority of people, they have to access surrogacy internationally. Um, unless you are in the kind of privileged position of having someone in your life who is willing to act as your surrogate, a family member or a friend. Um, in the absence of that, you have no choice but to go abroad. And I suppose I'm coming at it from specifically an LGBTQ plus parents perspective and um gay male couples have no choice but unless they have a friend or family member willing to carry a child for them they have to go abroad and the the countries that are um that allow gay male couples to access surrogacy are primarily the USA 
Canada and the UK. And now that's where we run into a problem with the proposed legislation, because in effect, the USA is gone. No, go on ahead. Even though technically um, in the policy paper that, that we were given, the USA, the USA is a green listed country. Because the USA is built on a compensated model where the surrogate will receive compensation for the surrogacy journey, in effect, the USA is gone. That's already, you know, if, if we think about the, the number of children and families that exist today to Irish gay dads, the majority of those children would not exist if this legislation, as it is proposed, was enacted today. Mm. So it doesn't go far enough at all to cover at all. And I think one thing that hasn't been mentioned, which is really important to talk about, um, again, someone mentioned earlier on that the, it's not illegal. There's just no legislation. Mm. If is that this, not nearly worse? Well, it's going to be worse because right now, if this policy paper and if this bill passed with these recommendations, families would be criminalised. Criminal sh- sanctions would be imposed if you way? if you went against um, what is set down in the law, you would be criminalized. So if someone decided, do you know what, I can't do domestic surrogacy because I don't have a friend or a family member willing to be an egg donor. I don't have a friend or family member willing to be my surrogate. I'm going to have to go to the states. The USA is a an ethical. It's you know it's. It's a destination that is um, widely regarded as being ethical. And if a family chooses to go that way, and yet in the Irish legislation it says you're not allowed to do that, when you come home to Ireland with your child, you could be put in prison. It's that stark. You could face fines and imprisonment. Is How much of a concern, Stephen, are on the mind You know, for, for people is that? Um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big concern. Um, it's constantly in anyone I know who has gone through um, surrogacy recently, or not even recently, uh, like up to ten years ago. It, this is pretty, pretty forefront in people's minds. Um, not just because of this, but we're constantly reminded that our families aren't considered equal, even though constitutionally they are. Um, where we, everyone has the right to a family, but under under this proposed law. We're going to be clearly defined as not equal families. Uh, we're not going to have the same protections as other families. So it's a pretty big concern, mm-hmm. as Renee was saying. It's pretty forefront. An interesting text in here, Renee, from from Anne um, Anne, Anne O'Carroll, uh, BCL, so 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 Bachelor of Law. She says, "I'm startled that none of the couples have applied for a family adoption where the surrogate and dad gives the baby up for adoption to the actual parents. It means you're adopting your own child, but it does solve the legal anomalies. Can you just ask why it isn't an option?" So I wouldn't be uh, a legal expert at all, but from my knowledge, uh, the Adoption Authority of Ireland to this point have uh, refused to process any adoptions in the case of children born through surrogacy. Um, It is something that many, many parents of children born through surrogacy or other forms of donor assisted conception would look at. And in other jurisdictions, it is something that would be done. Uh, But to this point, the Adoption Authority has declined to process adoptions in these cases. However, there are a couple of cases um, in the High Court at the moment, so that could potentially change in okay. the future. Do, do we have any idea, because I, I mentioned, Renee, you're part of the um, Equality for Children, the CEO of Equality for Children. Do we have any idea at the moment in Ireland how many children 
are we, born through surrogacy? We don't, unfortunately. And I, I think that's, again, due to the fact that there is no legislation. If there is legislation and people could disclose this information, um, we'd be in a much better place. Right now, it's it's quite anecdotal. We know there are thousands, but there could be more. Um, but in terms of when, when families come back from various locations, um, especially in terms of, I suppose, a tradi- more traditional looking family, you could technically come back from uh, a jurisdiction where you're both put on the birth certificate, the surrogate is not mentioned on the birth certificate, and you could technically come back into Ireland and, I suppose, look like a traditional family and not have to disclose that your child was born through surrogacy. That's obviously not mm. the case in, in all jurisdictions. Some of the messages coming in on this, this text says, I recently completed a surrogacy journey after a gruelling journey of heartbreak and loss, but really upsetting. There are no protections for children or mothers, no legal safety in employment situations for mums, issues with inheritance for my family as my kids have no legal rights to me. Should anything happen, my husband leaves my children without a legal parent. This element scares me. The situation is so challenging that the simplest things like dealing with medical issues, passports, etc. is beyond difficult. Another listener, uh, we just landed at Dublin Airport back from our Easter holidays with our two-year-old twins, born through surrogacy in 2001 couldn't have been um, Cathy wouldn't have been able to take them on her own out of the country without me we're the luckiest family in the world but we need legislation now says this listener and there's more and more very similar stories coming in surrogacy is something that is, has grown more common in modern times I think we do need to deal with it uh, says this listener here as well look as you say Renee it's hard to know when there'll be change or a date for this but I know it's something you're, you're keeping a close eye on I mean I, I don't think it's acceptable that we continue to wait to be honest there are children and families and parents living every day in a limbo I know it's like um, hundreds and hundreds of other families and, and, and parents know what it's like and it's about children and it's about protecting children's rights and it's not acceptable that it's continued to be put on the back burner. Uh, Renee Von Metting, CEO of Equality for Children thanks a million for, for joining us in studio and Stephen as well thank you too for, for getting in touch with us. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan weekdays at midday on News Talk.